Welcome back to Senior Living Arizona, devoted to educating and enlightening the senior community and their families within our beautiful state and beyond regarding retirement housing and getting the most out of aging. On behalf of Senior Living Services in Arizona, I'd like to introduce today's host, Linda Demita. Thank you for joining us today for this very important topic of concern that many people are aware of, but don't necessarily know how to recognize, let alone what to do about it. We're talking about elder abuse. Elder abuse is more common than you may realize, and it's not an easy subject to broach for most people because it's a topic that deserves attention and concern regardless. Now, according to the National Council on Aging, up to 5 million older Americans are abused every year, and the annual loss by victims of financial abuse is estimated to be at least $36.5 billion. It's insane, right? This is a silent problem that robs seniors of their dignity, their security, and in some cases, it costs them their lives. One in 10 Americans aged 60 and older have actually experienced some form of elder abuse. And one study estimated that only one in 24 cases of abuse are even reported to authorities. Many people don't understand what elder abuse is. As a caregiver for both of my parents until they passed away, the subject was brought to my attention when I least expected it. My dad was living in a mobile home that he had purchased for himself after we lost our family home, right? In the housing crash back in 2008. And we had always lived together, but we lived very close to each other. And I visited him daily, helping him with laundry, you know, medications, groceries, and just spending time together. Well, my father expressed one night that his legs felt weak and he was really tired. So I asked him to drink some extra fluids in case he was dehydrated since Sedona is a dry climate and lots of older people don't take in enough water. And I also knew that urinary tract infections are a common side effect with dehydration and can cause stroke-like symptoms, right? So that being said, I checked on my daddy before bed and I tucked him in. And when I was on my way to see him again first thing in the morning, he called me as I was pulling in the driveway to say that he had fallen. He couldn't get his legs to work. So of course, before he could finish the sentence, I was at the door and found him lying on the floor right at the entrance. He said his legs wouldn't work. So the paramedics arrived quickly and shortly after that, you know, dad was in the hospital and uh, we learned that he had indeed suffered a mini stroke. Now, after that point, my father couldn't handle any kind of financial responsibilities. He had trouble focusing on even the simplest of letters or numbers. So I had to take over his finances immediately. And that is when I discovered that he had been making out checks for hundreds of dollars at a time to a woman who was my friend. But that isn't all of it. His bank statements showed multiple charges for dinners on a regular basis amounting up to a hundred bucks a pop. And I found charges for fuel, oil changes, uh, car tires, Home Depot purchases and things like that. 
And, you know, which would sound like normal, right, for my dad, but there were so many of them and they recurred over weeks and months. And my dad ate small meals and he didn't have any evidence of products that he'd purchased. Now, my dad was super organized and meticulous in his record keeping, so it really was not difficult to find that two, not just one of my friends, but two who had befriended my father were enjoying all kinds of financial perks as a result of my dad's generosity. I immediately called one of those women while my father was still in the hospital. And I left her a message explaining how my dad had had a stroke and could she call me back. So she called within a few hours, practically hysterical on the phone, crying about her concerns for my father. She went on and on with this show of emotion and I let her know that he would be okay and not to worry. But then I told her that I had to speak with her about something really urgent. I explained that I had to take over his finances and I discovered all these loans he had made to her so she could pay her business rent. It was clearly noted on the checks. Her weeping and emotional, you know, shroud immediately stopped and there was silence on the line. And I asked her, so what arrangement do you have with my dad, you know, to pay him back? And she just stumbled over her words and professed that she didn't want the money, but my father insisted on giving it to her so she could keep her business. What she did not know is that I'd already done my research and she was being evicted from the retail space because she had failed to pay her rent for months and also had not paid any of her utility bills. And when I called her out on this fact, she was completely stumped. And then I told her that this looked really bad for her because it could be interpreted as elder abuse. And since I had the records on file and proof of her dishonesty, that she could be liable and end up in jail. Well, needless to say, her demeanor turned overly defensive at that point. And I basically told her that if she came near my father again, that I would press charges. Now, whether or not she meant to abuse my father is questionable, but this is a perfect example of elder abuse and it happens sometimes right under the nose of a caring family member and is disguised as friendship. I know this firsthand. Now the other woman that was also enjoying these financial benefits from my dad claimed to have no romantic interest in my father and they were just best friends. Meanwhile, all those charges on his bank card were for her and her son. And my dad didn't spend that kind of money on me, let alone my daughter, his actual grandchild. And he had spent $6,000 on this woman in one year alone. Now, although my dad really cared for these women, they were taking advantage of him. And this was a form of exploitation. Needless to say, once I took over my father's finances, both women disappeared out of his life and he was heartbroken. Now, that's an abuse that hurts more than the money they took. This is an example of financial elder abuse, but there are several ways that elder abuse plays out. Physical abuse 
is when physical pain or injury is inflicted on the older adult. Sexual abuse is shocking to consider, I know, but it does happen to older people just like it happens to vulnerable children, and it includes the same things, touching, fondling, intercourse, or any other sexual activity. And it's most common when the older person is unable to understand what's going on or is unwilling to consent or threatened or physically forced to participate. Emotional abuse happens with verbal assaults or threats of abuse or harassment or intimidation. And another form of abuse is confinement, which means isolating or restraining an older adult without having a medical reason. And another form of abuse is called passive neglect, which is a caregiver's failure to provide an older adult with necessities like food, clothing, shelter, or medical care, just to name a few. Really sad, right? It is. It's just awful to think that somebody could do that, but people do. And one of the worst kinds of elder abuse is called willful deprivation. Now, this is when a caregiver denies the older adult medication or medical care, shelter, food, or a therapeutic device or other necessary physical assistance and exposing that person to the risk of harm, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional. And this is not abuse though. It's really important to know this. It's not abuse when the older competent adult has expressed a desire to go without said care. The scary fact though, is that abusers are both men and women. And in almost 60% of elder abuse and neglect incidents, the perpetrator is a family member. Two thirds of perpetrators are adult children or spouses. So how do older adults end up vulnerable to such abuses, right? Well, social isolation and mental impairment are two factors, especially for those with dementia or Alzheimer's who are the most vulnerable for sure. And a recent study showed that nearly half of those with dementia have experienced abuse or neglect. And this interpersonal violence occurs at alarmingly higher rates among adults with disabilities. So how do you recognize warning signs of elder abuse? One is dehydration or unusual weight loss. There are definitely indicators as well as missing daily living aids such as a manual wheelchair, power scooters or power wheelchairs, rolling walkers, transport chairs and things like that. Now, as we age, our skin, you know, it gets thin and a lot of seniors are on blood thinners, so they bruise really easily. But unexplained injuries, bruises, cuts, and sores deserve attention beyond just first aid. These can be clear signs of abuse. Really disturbing signs of elder abuse also include unsanitary living conditions or poor hygiene and unattended medical needs. Now I know firsthand how sometimes my dad, as he progressed with his dementia, he didn't want to take a shower, but I made him, <laughs> I made him take a shower. 
because I I told him, I said, Dad, you know, when people see you or smell you, they're going to look at me and think that I'm not taking good care of you. And that's a form of abuse. So I know it's not fun for you to take a shower, but you have to. You need to take care of yourself. And always he would, you know, give in and he would do it. But when somebody is got a caregiver and they really are living in unsanitary conditions or they smell bad or their their hair, their when people get old, they get like they if they're not well cared for, they literally your skin can get crusty. If they have signs like that, somebody is not taking care of them and it needs to be attended to. Now, another sign um, of abuse, another type of abuse is emotional abuse. And the signs in elders can be mistaken and normalized as common old people behaviors, right? Or they're written off as personality traits that worsen with age. But really, Emotional abuse shows up in this way. It's like unexplained withdrawal from normal activities or a sudden change in alertness or unusual depression, strained or tense relationships too, as well as frequent arguments between the caregiver and an older adult. Those are all signs. Now, when you witness increased anxiety or fear, along with an elder being isolated from friends or family, and there's unusual changes in behavior or sleep, these are signs to pay attention to so you can protect a loved one or someone you know from the damaging results of this abuse. Now, earlier, I told a story of how I discovered my own father was being taken advantage of on a financial basis, right? And there are some signs of financial elder abuse that stand out, such as fraudulent signatures on financial documents. Um, As my father's power of attorney, whenever I signed for him on legal documents, I signed my name and I wrote the letters POA after my name and I never signed anything without my father being present until he got to a point where he could no longer understand what was happening and I had durable mental power of attorney for him. But he had to be deemed incompetent at that point for me to be able to take over to that degree. Now, if your elder friend or loved one has unpaid bills or an unusual or sudden changes, you know, in spending patterns, like what I discovered in my dad's records, you know, those are signs that someone is financially exploiting them. If their will or other financial documents suddenly change, that is also suspect. If you're a caregiver for an elder, Whether this person is your client or a family member, you must also be aware of these types of abuses that others could be inflicting when you're not present. Making sure that your client or your family member has their assets protected and managed professionally and or with witnesses to any transactions is key to protecting yourself as well. It is very easy to be in a situation where you're... love and your care for an elder can be misconstrued as financial abuse if you don't have your legal responsibilities such as being their POA laid out ahead of time and clearly. 
Do you know what the effects of elder abuse do to people? I mean, we're aware, most of us, of abuse on animals, you know, how it affects them or kids. We've seen it or we've experienced it in one form or another. But when it comes to elders, this is really, really scary. First off, elders who've been abused have a 300% higher risk of death when compared to those who have not been mistreated. Now, this information that I'm sharing with you today comes straight from the National Council on Aging. While it's likely that it's underreported, estimates of elder financial abuse and fraud costs older Americans $2.6 billion to $36.5 billion a year. I mean, that's insane, don't you agree? And it's disgusting. Yet, financial exploitation is self-reported at rates higher than emotional, physical, and sexual abuse or neglect. And you can't put a number on that. And this is why we must protect our elder community. I mean, if one day, you know, we're lucky enough, we'll be in their shoes. Elder abuse is so very urgent to report right away because many abusers know how to cover their tracks and some will use the system to make it appear that they're protecting the elder from non-existent nefarious influence. And I have seen this firsthand twice in two very similar situations where estranged daughters showed up when their elderly mothers became ill. And these daughters acted as if they were rescuing their mothers from these stepfathers, claiming that their stepfathers were abusing their mothers. Meanwhile, these men were loving caregivers who were overwhelmed with their wives' needs and needed assisted living or they needed hired caregivers to help them. In both of these scenarios, these couples were in their 80s and they were second marriages of over 30 years. I witnessed these mothers being isolated from their husbands and then convinced that they were being rescued from a dangerous situation because both of these women had dementia issues. This is another form of abuse. In the meantime, bank accounts were emptied, wills were altered, beneficiaries changed, estates were ransacked and then sold. And in both cases, Divorces were filed, much to the surprise and shock for the husbands left alone, with no money, no homes, and all they'd worked for and shared with their wives had disappeared. It was so disturbing to witness. This was tactical campaigning that made these men out to be something they weren't. And all of this was done to gain monetary support for these supposed abused women when there was no evidence to support the claims. And clearly, this was about getting the money from these elderly husbands who didn't have the knowledge, the tools, or the support to stop these aggressors in their tracks. No one reported it to the authorities in time. This absolutely broke my heart in both cases. And these older women they were not able to speak for themselves. They were being controlled by their daughters. They were being influenced by their daughters just to get the money. And their daughters committed these crimes and they got away with them, leaving these older men not only without their spouses, so they were lonely, but without the money that they needed to continue to support themselves. 
This was absolutely criminal. Now, there are ways to prevent elder abuse, including for if you're listening to this and you're getting older, take care of your health. You need to seek professional help for drug and alcohol issues if you have them. You gotta own that. Or if you're depressed and you need to urge your family members to get help for these issues because it's vital in stopping the cycles of abuse. There are support groups for spouses where you can learn about domestic violence. You can learn how to identify it and how to deal with it. And you can also find support services to end it and to take care of yourself or your family members. It's really important that you plan your own future, that you have a power of attorney or a living will, that you can address your healthcare decisions early on to avoid confusion or family problems in the future. And always, always seek independent advice from someone you trust or an elder care professional before signing any kind of documents. And stay connected to your community, to your friends, and to your family. Social isolation is a breeding ground for abuse and neglect. Don't let that happen to yourself. And open open your own email and post your own checks. Stay on top of your finances and then assign somebody to them that is in check legally so that they cannot take that money from you or undermine your circumstances. Keep your own phone. Don't let somebody else control your phone either. Keep your own phone as long as you possibly can and review your will and your directives often, especially while you have your wits about you. And you need to know your rights. You have the right to voice your preferences and your concerns. Whether you live in a nursing home or an assisted living community or even in an independent retirement community, you have a voice. And if you feel that you are being mistreated in any way, you can report it. You can call the long-term care ombudsman or your, or your advocate, your son, your daughter, or your, your elder care advisor can do that for you. But you have a voice because there are criminal penalties for villains such as these that victimize older adults. And now, gosh, more than ever, law enforcement officers and prosecutors, they're being trained on elder abuse and ways to use the criminal and civil laws to bring these abusers to justice in our country. Now you can also visit the Elder Abuse Guide for Law Enforcement, which is, it's a website, and that acronym is EAGLE, E-A-G-L-E. So that's the Elder Abuse Guide for Law Enforcement. And you can go to that website to review state-specific elder justice laws. You can do this for yourself, or you can do this for a loved one. But if an older adult is in immediate life-threatening danger, you must call 911. Anyone, anyone at all who suspects that an older adult is being mistreated should contact a local Adult Protective Services office immediately. You can also call the long-term care ombudsman or call the police. You can also contact 
the Elder Care Locator online, or you can call 1-800-677-1116. Now, of course, if you're listening to this while you're in the car or you're at home, and you don't have a piece of paper close by, that's okay. Because all of this information will be available in our show notes and they'll be attached to this episode so that you have access to many resources so that you can protect yourself or somebody you love in our vulnerable elder community. So just check out our show notes for a bunch of links and phone numbers and references and resources, okay? Credit for this valuable information that I've shared with you today is available online through the National Council on Aging. So if you have any questions at all about elder abuse or any other elder um, topics of concern, just check out the National Council on Aging online. And thank you so much for joining us today for this very important subject. We hope that it helped you gain some insight and direction if you've never discovered this topic before or been exposed to it and that it'll help you in the future either in protecting yourself or protecting somebody that you love. And this is your host, Linda Damita, wishing you longevity, laughter, love, and the ultimate wealth of health. Thank you so much for joining us today on Senior Living Arizona. Please share this podcast with friends and family and help seniors find the way to live life to the fullest. Help Senior Living Arizona increase our reach by taking a few moments to write a review. Senior Living Arizona is dedicated to bringing helpful tips that support aging successfully. Please reach out to us with topics you'd like us to cover. You can find us on social media at Senior Living Arizona and on the web at www.slscommunities.com.